This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place, what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. something happened. If you understand music theory, we've just missed the resolution, right? It's just supposed to go, duh, duh, and then we all feel settled. And, and, but it's been that kind of year, hasn't it? Where we've just kind of missed something and things are sitting unresolved. Um, I wonder if you think that your particular age group or type of person has had it most tough this year, right? So maybe you're a kid and you're thinking to yourself, yep, we had it the most difficult this year. Fancy having to do school at home, at the kitchen table, and compete with your brother or your sister for the one laptop or for the internet. Fancy having to ask your dad for help with your maths. My goodness, what does dad know? Everything's so, you know, uh, things have moved on since dad was at school. Or perhaps you're a teenager and you might be thinking to yourself, man, we had it much more tough, right? Because school is not just about learning, but it's actually about hanging out with your friends. Uh, and you've missed um, face-to-face contact. You've missed seeing that kind of that girl or that boy that you kind of had an interest in. Or um, Here's my vote, though. I think the demographic that's had it the most tough in 2020 has been mums with young families because many of them have had to work and continue their part-time jobs and keep the family um, on on the stable uh, and step in as kind of tutors and teachers and people who make sure that everybody's doing their jobs and getting their homework in on time. They've had a tough year, and the dads are now chiming out saying, yeah, look, it's not so easy working from home. Uh, that's a tough place to have an office, and I've got this thing called Zoom fatigue where I have to sit in all of these meetings all day, and I'd rather be some other place, you know, because life is kind of stressful uh, in COVID for all of us. Um, or there might be another demographic that's had a tough year. Think about empty nesters, right? Uh, I was just talking to Ray after the first service, and he's kind of like, oh, I just got to see my grandkids face to face, right? It's, it's not the same talking to your grandchildren over a device, is it? And I'm sure that that generation thinks this year has been a challenging year. Or perhaps, again, I was chatting to someone else this week who has watched their 
father uh, demise, probably their ageing has sped up this year because they've been alone and isolated and they haven't had the kind of interpersonal contact that we all need in order to thrive. 2020 has been a challenging year and I think there's this sense in which we all share this notion that we're looking forward to seeing the end of this year and starting again next year because this has been such a tough year. And you know what? I want to say that's kind of true, but if any of my four grandparents were here this morning or any of my wife's four grandparents, they would be saying, you guys don't know what difficult is. You should have lived through the Second World War when our country was occupied by the Nazis, when I or my husband was taken off to a concentration camp. Uh, Harvard um, psychology uh, lecturer Jordan Peterson talks about how for most people, for most of human history, life is a slog. It's a challenge. And we in the 21st century have had 50 or 70 years of stability and peace and prosperity and we have lost perspective on how challenging life is and COVID has reminded us of that. And I want to say, I actually think Peterson's right, that for most humans, for most of human history, life has been far more difficult than what we experience and even than what we experience this particular year. Let me take you back to the Old Testament to a king called Ahaz and he's in the south of Israel in what's called Judah. So there's two tribes who become the kingdom of Judah and there's ten tribes who become the kingdom of Israel and then off to the side there's another kingdom, Aram or Damascus and the king of Damascus has got together with the king of Israel and they have marched big armies, bigger than the king of Judah has, two armies, and then they're at the gates of Jerusalem. And they're saying, surrender and join us. And if you don't, we'll defeat you and we'll put our own king in. And we need you because the Assyrians up the top, they're even more powerful than us. The three of us together might be able to stave off the Assyrians. Now, let me put that in perspective. That's a little bit like the King of Australia and the King of New Zealand inviting the King of Papua New Guinea so that we can take on the Chinese, right? <laughs> it's fantasy land stuff, right? Uh, it, it, it won't work. And that's the dilemma that the King of Judah, Ahaz is his name, has, right? It, it's a lose-lose. Either fight and then be deposed, but whatever the case, you're going to have to go into war against the most powerful enemy. And here is what Elijah the prophet says to this guy in a really challenging year. This is what the sovereign law says, it won't happen. Those two kings from the north, they are not going to defeat your city. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you won't stand at all. Trust me, God says. Have faith in me. Don't have faith in your ability to make political alliances or to combine armies and take on the enemy, your job is to be the people who trust God and tell the story of what it's like to be safe and secure 
because you trust God. Now, that's a big ask. And so God says, ask me for a sign and I'll give you a sign. And here's what uh, um, Ahaz says. He says, I'm not going to put God to the test. Now, let's read on. Next slide. Uh, Isaiah says, hear now, house of David, that's the two southern tribes, don't test the Lord, don't test his patience, the Lord will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now we're in about 800 years before Jesus is born and Ahaz has got two bigger rival armies at the gates of his city and the sign is a virgin's going to have a birth in about 800 years and that's the sign. Now I don't know about you, I'd be looking for something a little bit more imminent than something that was going to happen in 800 years. Something a little bit more practical. But that's the sign. And what happens? Actually, Israel, uh, sorry, Judah does not form an alliance with Israel and Aram, Damascus. Instead, they do trust God and he protects them. For about another 70 years, they stop trusting him again. And then eventually the Assyrians come and destroy Judah as well, followed by the Persians and then the Greeks, Alexander the Great, and then the Romans, Pompey the Great, followed by Julius Caesar. And Israel for hundreds of years and Judah are suppressed. And then we encounter another person who has life more difficult than what we've had, even in 2020. And it's Joseph and Mary. Mary falls pregnant out of wedlock. That's terrible in that sort of culture. You get disowned by your family. And Joseph's got this great dilemma. Does he marry this wife who is pregnant to somebody who's not him? Has she been unfaithful? And, and what if he does marry her? Everybody will think that the kid was his. That, that he has... Um, been engaged in premature relationships and and he's in a lose-lose but the angel comes and says don't be afraid take Mary as your wife because she's what's in her is conceived from the Holy Spirit she's going to give birth to a son and you'll give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son And they will call him Emmanuel. See, these are all common experiences of humanity. Life, war, uh, challenges that are far bigger than us that we can't possibly overcome in our own resources, emotional dilemmas, um, the risk of shame and being disowned by your family. And God looks down from heaven And he sees the brokenness of his creatures, of his children. And he says, I'm going to intervene. I love you so much. I'm going to send my son to Emmanuel, be God with you in the midst of that brokenness. Now that, friends, is amazing. That is unprecedented. It's kind of popular at the moment to talk about how all religions are the same. You know, oh, we all pray and we all believe in some sort of God and some sort of afterlife. Let me tell you, the religions are not the same on this topic. The God of Islam, Allah, looks from the distance 
and is interested in your behavior and he is somewhat judgmental. The God of Buddhism, well, really, there isn't a God and there is no relief from suffering. And if you think relief is coming, you're under an illusion, you've just got to get used to it and that way you won't be disappointed. The God of Hinduism is like the God of many traditional religions where the gods are cranky. They've somehow been annoyed by you and you have to placate them and bribe them with um, sacrifices or with offerings. And atheism is perhaps even worse. There is no God who can help you. You're all on your own. And if your life's a bit of a mess, well, tough, put up with it or make the best of it you can, but there's no assistance or help from the outside. And in contrast, at Christmas time, the message of Jesus, the, the, the Christian message is God loves us so much that he's come to be with us and to support us and to be present in our mess and in our brokenness. Jesus left heaven. He left his father's side to be with us, God with us. Now, does that mean all the problems evaporate? Actually, no, it doesn't. Mary and Joseph's life doesn't get simple just because Jesus comes. I think that's a mistake we sometimes have. We've been thinking to ourselves, Jesus, where were you in 2020? Life was so challenging. Couldn't you make all those problems go away? But Jesus didn't do that for Joseph and Mary. Sure, some people's eyes were healed and, and the blind could see and the lame could walk and people were fed. And, but Jesus caused the rising of some and the falling of some. And we also heard that his mother's soul would be pierced. What a terrible thing as a mum she had to endure, watching her son die for sins he didn't commit and endure such shame. So how is this some sort of help? God is with you. Well, Jesus doesn't come to take all your suffering away. He comes to be with you in the midst of the brokenness and to offer that he supports you so you can be part of something that's bigger than yourself, so that you can be part of God's story. And what do we read about Mary? Generations will call her blessed. Why? Because God is with her and she is able to be a part of the coming of our Saviour and of reflecting God's greatness. I don't know what your expectations are this Christmas. Maybe you're thinking and hoping that, you know, 2020 is going to go away and 2021 is going to be much better. I suspect this still will be a challenging Christmas. And as we reflect on the fact that God is with us, it doesn't mean all our challenges will evaporate, but it does mean that Jesus will allow us to find meaning and purpose and to be able to reflect God's greatness that is bigger than whatever challenges that we happen to face. And the story that we are telling about new starts, it has a wonderful resolution. And so we read this in the book of Revelations. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down, prepared as a bride... That's us. We're the church and Jesus loves us 
like a groom loves his bride. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling is now among his people. The Godhead, Father, Son and Spirit come down to dwell with us. And when they do, God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more pain, no more death, no more mourning for the old order of things has passed away. We're still experiencing the consequences of that old order. But God is with us in Jesus. And he's helping us live in ways that bring meaning and purpose. And we're looking forward to the day when Jesus returns and the story reaches its highest point. All tears pass. All mourning and crying and death ceases. And we get to live with God and God with us. And that will be a beautiful culmination to what we're anticipating at Christmas. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that you came. We thank you that you didn't leave us as humans in our brokenness, in in our mess, but that you came and aligned yourself with us, that you loved us so much, that you entered into our world, that you left your throne in heaven, that you separated yourself from your Father, with whom you've had a perfect relationship for all eternity. You gave up all of that just so that you could be with us in the mess and in the brokenness and in the challenges of the lives of people like Mary and Joseph and simple shepherds and the type of year we've had in 2020. And we pray, God, that we might not fall for that simplistic idea that somehow, Jesus, you've turned up to take all our problems away, but rather you've turned up to be part of our lives and invite us to be a part of your story, living and sharing about the transformation of all things being made new. And that is a powerful thing for us to be a part of. And we're looking forward to that in good times and in bad. In Jesus' name, amen.